and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. Slightly later than usual because we've been having such a wonderful bank holiday, but we're back to review game week three. Uh, plenty been happening in the football world, which I'm sure Andy and I will touch on. My name is Chris Hopkins, and I'm joined by a man that is a bit more Bruno Fernandez's penalty record, whereas I'm a bit more Cristiano Ronaldo's penalty record. It's Andy Case. Andy, I mean, famously. Famously, I'm sure everyone that's listening to the podcast will know this, but I don't think when we played five-a-side, you missed a penalty ever, did you? Even one of them awkward one-step ones, which looked a little bit Dominic Calvert-Lewin from the weekend as well, wasn't it? And I was doing the Richarlison role, trying to wrestle the ball off you, hoping that maybe you know you were off the pitch when, whenever we got one, but it just never seemed to be the case. I mean, well, firstly, you massively pumped up your numbers there by calling yourself Cristiano Ronaldo penalty numbers. There's absolutely no way on this earth that in any facet of your game or lifestyle, you should be comparing yourself to Cristiano Ronaldo. Number two, you definitely were in no way acting like Richarlison on the pitch when the penalties came along. You couldn't be further away from it. You wanted none of that uh, whatsoever. Uh, I ended up on penalties because pretty much no one else wanted to take them. And um, yes, it is, it is true that I, I did not miss a single one. I've taken a lot uh, of penalties in my time, bit of a Dennis Irwin fullback on pens and I only ever missed one competitive penalty in my lifetime. And it was in a shootout in a 5-4 defeat in a cup semi-final. Very, very devastating. Yeah, um, that is that is quite brutal. That is quite brutal. I mean, without going too far off course, because I know that we've got a bit of a time limit today. But yeah, a new five-a-side uh, league that I've joined. I've taken one penalty, scored. So 100, 100% records. You can't really knock that. But yeah, some of the ones I've taken playing 11-a-side. I remember a few cup cup competitions with a, with a, with, a, with a youth team and we got to a penalty shootout and I was up next. But thankfully, we, you know, we'd won it before I was stepping up and that was a huge sigh of relief. And I took one in a friendly for a uni team. Uh, there was a guy on the, on the opposite team who played a few times for us and he properly got in my head before before I took it and I just passed it to the goalkeeper. Oh. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty awful. But yeah, I was uh, you know didn't have the mental steel that one perhaps needed needed that day. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting uh, to see who ends up on on those Man United penalties that they get you know like in theory or have done over previous years so often. Uh, but I'm sure that's going to be you know, something that, that that we can debate and talk about. Uh, possibly towards the end of the show. So as ever in our review shows, we'll start by reviewing some of our players on the radar, of which there were, of course, many heading into game week three. We'll have a look of uh, we'll have a look at some top differentials, one of the low-owned players that did very well this week, and a high-owned player that didn't perform in blankety blank. Uh, we'll review our swimming against the tide. We'll also review our captaincy picks before we have some early thoughts ahead of game week four, which obviously is a little bit uh, a little bit further into the future because of the international break. Let's start, Andy, with those players on the radar. I think we had, I mean, maybe it's fair to kind of group all three of these Chelsea players together. Obviously, Lukaku was a bit more on our long term, or had been on our radar for a little bit longer um, because you know, he was new to the game. And I think we're both, I think we were all very excited by you know, his potential fantasy prospects. Reese James, obviously, we, we, we were impressed with it previous week. And Mason Mount had decent underlying numbers. I think we can be added all of that with Chelsea having a pretty difficult um, game against Liverpool, uh, but it was made more difficult by, I guess, an unfortunate red card for one of those players that was on our radar. Um, but I guess all three, in their own way, are perhaps sort of still on it, although I guess Reese James's suspension is going to make things a little bit more difficult for him. We might have to park him for a few weeks before he probably inevitably returns. Yeah, I think 
uh, yeah, we can't can't judge Lukaku on this game. We, we whatever would have happened, we probably would have said that anyway. Even if there'd been eleven against eleven and he hadn't had many chances, I think we'd have just said away at Liverpool. It's a difficult game. Um, you know, he he obviously dominated Arsenal. Although, yeah, we're, they are very quickly unraveling themselves to be a, a team that everyone's dominating. So, how much you can read into that, I'm not sure. Um, and yeah, so he he's still on the radar for me. He has massive like potential for for points going forward. And and yeah, J- James, like you say, parked because. Because it's um because of his his red cards, obviously you can't be getting him in your team anytime soon if he's not, because that that would be kind of pointless. But um, I mean, again, your former referee does he have, now have a three game ban or is it just a one game ban? Because it was a straight red, right? But it wasn't anything reckless, so I'm not yeah. sure what the rules are on that. Well, in the in the league, it's usually a three match ban for a straight red automatically, and then they can they can move it up or down depending on like. Uh, any type of sort of if they think it's too harsh or if they think it needs more because it was like a really really awful uh, like you know someone's deliberately broken someone's arm or leg or something or something like that we've seen one in the past like the one on infamous one on Pedro Mendes that I think got given a six match ban or or, or something I mean FPL like says he's suspended until the 19th of September so that would make it what just a one game uh, maybe it would maybe maybe it would yeah I mean it's it, that's not like a laws of the game thing the ban okay. so i'm not as it's a each league uh, or you know association if it's uefa or fifa whatever can determine their own kind of bans or if there are any suspensions that can't come with cards so yeah so yeah misses misses chelsea's next game against villa but he's back for their away game against tottenham on the 19th in theory so yeah i mean i guess with the rest i mean i guess i'm not sure if you even got called up for england then maybe he'll be quite a good option going forward but yeah it was very harsh you know it wasn't like he was massively out of position for his red card he was actually just trying to you know save the ball on the line unfortunately come kind of come off his knee and hit his hand so so yeah i mean i think everything that we said previously about reese james being a good asset kind of still stands but just not for the next game week because he won't be playing yeah, yeah. I guess as it's not violent, um, they're just there. They get they only give one one match, perhaps for for those ones. Yeah. So and and I think I'd say the same probably for Mount. I mean, you 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 had some interesting sort of thoughts about him to me on on text over the weekend. But you know, he started as one of those two tens that play behind the striker in that Tuchel sort of three four three formation again, which is really really interesting. I um, mean, him and Havertz sort of a, a quite a creative force for, for Lukaku. So I definitely would still be keeping my eye on Mount. Yeah, I think I think he, him and Havertz look Chelsea's best players until the red card. Um, and and yeah, you know Mount is obviously that much cheaper than Havertz, so you know his underlying numbers, although they would have taken a knock in this game because Chelsea were defending quite a bit, um, especially when you know when they went down to ten. I think he'd definitely be bit you know be a really interesting option going forward. Obviously, there is a glut of midfielders around that price point, and some. Um, like maybe one of the next guys that we'll speak about inside Ben Rama, obviously is is significantly cheaper and, and has been playing well. So so yeah, I think kind of remains to be seen. But yeah, there's absolutely no reason to take any of them sort of really off the kind of longer term radar. Um, obviously there is a, a bit of a spanner in the works for Lukaku in the sense that we have you know, more strikers now, more premium strikers that 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 are obviously competing with him for for spots in FPL teams. But I'm sure we can kind of come on to that in a little bit. I mean, just, let's talk. Just to sorry, just to say, yeah, just to say on Mount. Um, to to your point about his underlying numbers, no midfielder in the game has a higher expected assists than Mount, despite the fact that he was basically defending for the whole second half in 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 that game. So yeah, to, yeah, to your point, really. 
Yeah, and we, obviously we know his, his goal threat as well. He's one of those midfielders that has kind of an equal assist and a, an assist, a, sorry, equal goal and assist threat. Whereas you know a lot of them, your Salas, for example, are often just mostly mostly goals or, or some of the more creative one, perhaps or mostly assists. You kind of get a bit, bit more of a balance with Mount, which you know I think I think is quite useful to have at least one of those types of players in your team. I mean, we just mentioned side Ben Rama, Andy, so so let's let, let's bring him up. I mean, the, him and Antonio be kind of paired together just because you know, they've both been the standouts. For West Ham this season uh, returns again for for Mikel Antonio. He looks kind of unplayable at, at the moment, frankly. Uh, but nothing for Ben Rama this week. Although I guess his price, you can't really expect him to return every week. And I think one of the points that you know we possibly made uh, in putting him on the radar is that yes, he'd started the season very well and he'd been very good in preseason as well. But but that kind of you know those three attacking prospects for for West Ham. Uh, ben Rama, Fornals, and Bowen last year, at least towards the end of last year when Ben Rama was playing a bit more, obviously Lingard was in the mix then as well. They were all sharing returns around and just because Ben Rama had started so well doesn't necessarily mean that the others weren't going to start to get in on the act. I mean, I'd argue that from what I've seen on the eye test this year that Bowen's been one of West Ham's best players but just hasn't returned in FPL uh, in, in an FPL sense, obviously, you know, it's not useful if he's not getting on the end of chances or isn't sort of being the, 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 the you know, making that final pass. He's obviously a bit more expensive as well, or at least he was. Um, but, but yeah, I guess it's still going to be one of those things with West Ham where in any given game week, it could be four hours with two goals and an assist, but obviously Ben Rama started the season well, so it felt like we kind of had to mention him really. Yeah, well, I mean, my listeners might think we've set this up, but it's, an, it's just a beautiful coincidence that I'm now going to mention, uh, to your point, that actually Bowen, of those three attacking midfielders for West Ham, their, their, their underlying numbers are the reverse of their fantasy points. So Bowen actually has the best expected goal involvement of the three. Um, uh, Fornals is second, and Ben Rama actually has the least expected goal involvement of all three of those. And they and he's had so many price rises now, and Bowen's actually had a fall that they are actually the same. Bowen and Ben Rama are both 6.4 million, with Fornals there at 6.0. So given that Fornals has, has been the one that has scored, he's got goals in both of the last two game weeks. Yeah, I think what we were saying, we almost felt like we had to put them on the radar this week because maybe our prediction about them being spread around a bit was 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 not coming true and it was mainly going through Ben Rama. But actually what these underlying numbers and now starting to see with returns from Fornals are saying is that it is kind of going in the pattern as it was last season, that, that the returns seem to be, to be being spread. And, and yeah, I think yourself just then but a lot of people have been commenting really about how Bowen has been playing well in fact all three of them have really so that so it, it probably would be a bit unfair to say Ben Rama has been been the standout one which 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 makes it kind of difficult to to again to decide which of the three whether it's Ben Rama or one of the others you you, you kind of go for yeah absolutely absolutely enough West Ham you know for those that you know, those that aren't aware, they've just signed another kind of number 10 left wing type player in Nikola Vlasic. We're not sure what his FPL price is yet. And as we've mentioned, uh, probably on every preview podcast and probably some reviews as well, Andy, we're, we're still a little bit unsure about how a fairly thin West Ham squad is going to manage the, Euro- the Europa League and the Premier League. So, so yeah, you know, great starts to the season, but I'm still not going to buy all in, uh, obviously, although Antonio, because West Ham lack you know, centre-forward options, he looks like he's going to be very much a mainstay. Talking about mainstay centre-forwards, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, another penalty, but can't really stop stop scoring. He's having a, a start to this season, very similar to last year's, Andy, and uh, I want, yeah, but he did end up, I think, 
hobbling off of a bit of an injury towards the end of Everton's game. I'm not sure if there's been sort of much chat about that, but I guess those that are looking to get him in, and I know that there was you know, talk of a bit of a switch from Ings to Calvert-Lewin now that Aston Villa's fixtures are starting to turn. Maybe DCL isn't the way to go if he doesn't recover very well from this injury. Yeah, it kind of depends how injured he is, isn't it? Because it's a classic, oh, there's three England games coming up. Oh, I've I've got a small little niggle there, and I and I can't go and travel to Hungary and Poland. What an Andorra! What what a shame. Um, I mean, no, in fairness to Calvert Lewin, you'd think he he, you know, he would want to go away of England if if he had the opportunity. He's not that type of type of guy. But from Everton's point of view, yeah, you just think if he's in form, um, and you know, with the with the sort of pack schedule, and you know, he's away in the summer, maybe it's an opportunity for him to rest up a bit, but. Uh, yeah, that that's one to keep an eye on. He's got a couple of weeks now, I suppose, to rest it. So it depends how serious it is. He, he is flagged on it on FPL. So maybe what it might mean is just that some people start uh, getting rid of him and his price comes back down a bit again. And if it sounds like he's fit in the press conferences, maybe there's an opportunity there to get him in. But 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 returns wise, yeah, as, as you as you alluded to earlier, he kind of grabbed the ball off off Richarlison. He he was determined. I am the main man. I'm the penalty taker. Rafa backed that up in the post match press conference. I mean, I feel like even though Rafa did say. Um, DCL's on pens, Richarlison can have the second one if we get a second one in a game I think that's where the mix-up had come is that Richarlison thought it was the second one of the season so it was his turn but Rafa said no, it's if we get a second one in a game, now whether Richarlison he seemed pretty sulky about that Richarlison so whether he can keep him happy with that going forward, maybe there's still something slightly there to keep an eye on, whether he might have to end up giving some of them over but but look, if even if he's in a battle with Richarlison for penalties, that's better than last year where he wasn't on them at all. Um, and he, he obviously has scored one goal from, from open play there and, and still everything was kind of, you know, being directed towards him with the three creative players behind him and particularly someone who I guess might be starting to sneak their way onto the radar soon is Damari Gray at his price with the kind of amount he's been involved attacking wise for Everton as well. So yeah, kind of all looking good going forward, at least for them at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Damari Gray, I'm starting to see on FPL Twitter that he's creeping into teams. I think he had a price rise. So, so yeah, it could be an interesting one. I'm not sure how much I trust him long term, but, you know, we'll see if he's playing well. And obviously, I mean, Benitez is giving him a bit of a free role. He looked very, very quick, which I think, I guess we've always known that about him. But yeah, took it took his goal well and, and it's two in his last two. Um, a guy that got two in one game uh, against, against Arsenal for Man City, Ferran Torres. I mean, I think this feels like finally a bit of a radar paying off we kept him on the radar because he's playing out of position seven million pound manchester city midfielder playing as a forward felt like a no-brainer but he finally got his returns in this game andy still doesn't have the greatest underlying numbers i don't think um but maybe that's just the sheer virtue of some of the chances he's taking not being uh, not being sort of you know clear and cut clear-cut obvious chances uh, but still looks Still looks pretty good. And uh, you know, City have failed to sign Kane. They then failed to sign Cristiano Ronaldo. It looks like unless they pull a real sort of rabbit out of the hat today, he is going to be the first choice centre forward for them going forward this season. I mean, it's a, it certainly seems like it, it, it will have to be him. Yeah, like, like you point there, obviously, there's still a few hours left of the transfer window as we're recording this. So maybe they'll manage to pull that rabbit out of the hat but but no I mean if he's going to be playing in that in that central position he what what was so great about his performance this week I thought although you know I only saw bits of it is that he's looking like a number nine he, and this is what we've kind of been saying and why he stayed on the radar really but he showed it even more in this game playing on the shoulder playing as a predator hanging in the six yard box sniffing around those rebounds when they the second balls that kind of drop in the, the six yard box 
um, reacting to chances as they, as they kind of come in. And actually, that's shown because although, yeah, you mentioned that there's there's midfielders with a higher expected goal involvement, a, fair, a, fair, a few midfielders, to be fair. But when you look at just XG, expected goals, no, only Mane of midfielders has a higher expected goals. Okay, there'll be probably a few other strikers, but only Mane in terms of midfielders, the people who get five points for a goal, has a higher XG. And I think that speaks to, particularly from this game week, which has made him shoot up a bit, the the um, you know goal scoring positions that, that he's gonna, he's been in, being in and around that that six yard box there. So, yeah, I think potentially with all these uh, high priced forwards now suddenly kind of appearing in the game. There, there's going to be a great opportunity to to save money with it with a pick like a Torres if you start him regularly. Yeah, absolutely. Still, yeah, I think um, yeah, it, it's starting to feel even more like a no-brainer. And I guess you know there were maybe a few doubts where we were a little bit maybe reluctant to go there until we'd seen it. And I guess we've seen it now, so it feels like uh, feels like it's going to be uh, kind of a pretty obvious pick going forward. Uh, two more, I guess, kind of on the periphery of the radar, Andy. And I'll let you talk about this first one because yeah, obviously you watched uh, Wolves versus Manchester United over the weekend. But uh, we put Traore on the radar just because he had very good underlying numbers but hadn't really got a return so far this season um I mean I'll let you take it away but it seemed like um from what you've from what you've told me uh before you know we started recording that it was uh pretty much that was exactly what happened lots of sort of lots of threat but very little end product yeah exactly I mean it's almost been a repetition of all of Traore's performances for Wolves so far this season he some for some reason well Oligan Solskjaer always said that when Varane came in or when a world-class centre back came in his plan was to only play ideally with one pivot this season not two now we've got the double whammy of that plan potentially coming to fruition and Scott McTominay being injured at the moment meaning that Fred and Pogba played as as the kind of two or if you like it was Fred as the one and Pogba and Bruno both off of Fred and that was just like you know Christmas come early for Traore because there's lots of players in the league who could probably dominate Fred, but with Traore on the form he's in at the moment, just the speed, the strength, he was cutting in from the left, Wan-Bissaka couldn't handle it. Fred was just absolutely all over the show. I mean, Pogba doesn't need many opportunities to try and give the ball away. You know, he It's fine when he's playing on the left, but in that central role, he holds on to it for too long. He gives it away too easily. He tries to take too many men on in dangerous areas in the middle there that, that mean... United lose the ball and and and, and Troy just completely took advantage of that. He was so strong and quick, got into loads of great areas. But him, and not just him, Trinkau as well, to be fair, when they got on the ball in and around the box, just could not finish at all. And not only could they not finish, they couldn't slide the ball across to people who were in good positions. So really disappointing in terms of crossing, passing and shooting from, from Traore. I, I think I've, I've put him on our pre-pod notes as a poor man Sterling, which is a potentially quite scathing. Um, uh, way to describe him particularly how Sterling's been been described on this podcast in the past but but that is what it reminds me of he was beating players keeping the ball dribbling dribbling well but then just not being able to do anything with it when he when he got himself in these fantastic positions so I find it I maybe I can be a bit more persuaded because he's only six million and Sterling's been like 11 11 and a half over the years but even then even though it's costing me five million less like I still want him to score a goal or get an assist to get some points so I'm despite his fantastic performance struggling to like convince myself to kind of put him near my team really yet i mean i think some of the athletics uh, sorry some of the athletic po- sort of podcast and tactics writers are starting to use a metric called expected threat and i imagine that Traoris is pretty good there but threat isn't any good in fpl terms because you need returns and you need goals and assists so i mean does Traoris stay on the radar andy like, i guess we want him to 
maybe get one more week. Wolves' fixtures, I don't think, are too bad. Um, you know, maybe you'd kind of want want to see him maybe get that goal and then maybe he'll kind of be away. But we've got history with him. He's not, you know, the most prolific goal scorer or, or, or assist maker really he can have he goes through spits and starts and he, where he can be very good and get you know a few goals in a few weeks but haven't really ever seen it over a long period of time he must be what 26 27 now it's not like we're kind of waiting for him to to break through and I guess he's in the team because he is so exciting and can create but it just doesn't always happen and that must be increasing incredibly frustrating for an FPL manager even if he is six million pounds I think what potentially might keep him on the radar is that Wolves' fixtures really do turn after this international break. So there's there's actually three international breaks, one in September, October, November. So between the September and October ones, there's four fixtures. And Wolves' four fixtures there are Watford, Brentford, Southampton and Newcastle. And I mean, that is about as juicy as it gets, really. And maybe, other than maybe if you threw Norwich in there, perhaps is the only way it could perhaps get juicier in terms of defences that you're facing. So, yeah, it's um, it's a... That that factor and just how good he's looked on the eye, I think almost he's going to have to stay on the radar. But then, you know, he could return in any one of those given weeks. And the question will be, well, do I trust him to do it consistently? Even if he, say, scores in the next game against Watford, is that going to persuade me to bring him in? Well, then perhaps even then, maybe not, because I wouldn't necessarily trust him to to do it again in the, in the following week. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very frustrating one, probably him at the moment. He's an awkward one. Yeah, very tricky. Uh, and then let's round off the radar with a little bit on Brentford's defence, Andy. I mean, you pulled out some stats here. Um, you know, we, we were hyping them up a little bit just because they haven't conceded that many goals this season. Um, seemingly pretty good expected goals against as well. The fourth best in the league this uh, this game week, the third best overall. But I guess it's the teams that they've played, Andy, which gives us a little bit of a pause for thought. I think we were you know, thinking about some of their assets because they've got four and a half million defenders, all of whom are fairly tall and might get on the end of corners every now and then as well to give you sort of that extra boost the goalkeeper has been pretty good in fantasy terms as well this year keeping a few clean sheets and is also only four and a half million um but they've played against teams that don't that haven't really created i mean two are in the bottom three of the league and then one in 13th in terms of sort of you know the goal you know how well they've been what their expected goals have been so far this season so if they're playing teams that without much of a threat it's pretty standard that they're going to keep clean sheets and I guess although we wouldn't have expected that of an Arsenal team in game week one their other two fixtures have been fairly straightforward well this is where you do need to combine in an ideal world well one a longer sample size but two the stats and the eye test need to come together because the stats can only tell you so much right Brentford haven't conceded many big chances and the teams playing against them haven't had many big chances but which causes which that you know that's the question right have Brentford are Brentford high up in the XG's expect a goal conceded because they're really good defensively and they've stopped the other teams creating or have those other teams not been creating because they're not very good and then therefore Brentford have benefited from playing those those lackluster teams I mean from what we've seen of of Arsenal in particular so far uh you, you would suggest that they just don't have much about them frankly uh, they're not very creative so yeah it it's, it's a little bit more of a wait and see I'm definitely still happy to keep them on the radar though because like you say that the the price point of some of their assets there if they can show against a slightly trickier a few you know with a slightly more difficult fixture run perhaps coming up then that they can continue to kind of minimize the chances they're conceding then absolutely it's a, it's a great option 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to describe like Thomas Frank's sort of tactics as, as as a bit stale and boring, but I think he's very pragmatic. Obviously, plays three centre backs, two wing backs. It's for all intents and purposes a five at the back, so he's going to keep things fairly tight. But then they do have the ability to kind of spring on the counter, and I think that's that's potentially where they could be. That's why they kind of be. That's why they were kind of seen as a bit exciting in the championship. Yeah, okay, they kept things very tight, but they were were also good going forward. It wasn't just defend deep and and kind of hope for the best. So so yeah, I think bit of a wait and see on on them uh, let's leave it there Andy we seem to be having a break in every review show at the minute because there's just so much to talk about uh, but when we return we'll give, be dishing out our blankety blank and top differential crowns welcome to the FPL lounge our preview show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods that way you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team If you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, blankety blank, where a high-owned player has not returned, not done his fancy owners any favours this week, and it's two and two for a normally ever-reliable FPL asset in Bruno Fernandes, Andy. Yeah, well, I think not much really needs to be said here. I think United have not been very creative this season at all overall as a team. And, uh, you know, Bruno is usually at the heartbeat of everything good they do. And, and yeah, it's been it's been really poor um, from him, from United creatively, uh, generally this season. Um, and I think he's, he's, he's owned by over half the managers in the league. He's probably captained by a lot of people this week as well. So perhaps even doubly disappointing for them. Um, his underlying numbers have, haven't been fantastic. I did, we did, me- I did mention sort of briefly in the review of the first game week that I thought that how poor Leeds had been defensively was going under the radar a little bit. It wasn't being mentioned so much. So now that's starting to come to fruition, perhaps a little bit. You know, were those Bruno's goals and the United creativity in that game just a symptom of the fact that Leeds were just all over the place defensively? Um, yeah, I mean, may, maybe because, you know, United really haven't, other than that game, create, created very much so far this season. And um, if you're going to spend 12 million on, on a player like that in midfield, you want, you're wanting more returns than you're getting out of Bruno. So sound sounds like I haven't really said anything that complicated, I suppose, there, but it is as simple as that, I think. Yeah, I think um, it's more. I guess it's more about the eye test, Andy. I think when we said when we when we gave him this award, so to speak, last last week, that you know he got a hat trick in the first game week. If you split those over two, you wouldn't be that disappointed. But a third week, yeah, you know, again, maybe if you split his hat trick over three weeks, you wouldn't be that disappointed. But it's the eye test, isn't it? It's that you're not seeing. I mean, you watch Manchester United way more than I do, but you're not seeing very much attacking uh, attacking prowess. You've also seen how Leeds have been in game weeks two and three, not particularly solid for all intents and purposes. So yeah, it seems like they saw them kind of collapsed in game week one, allowing United to look very good. Whereas in the rea- in reality, in the next two games, it hasn't been hasn't been all that exciting. Well, I mean, I guess ironically, like Calvert-Lewin and Torres are both on our radar and they have the same amount of points this season as Bruno Fernandes. So, yeah, that that's your argument there, I suppose, that you're saying if it was spread over the three weeks. But, yeah, like you say, it's the eye test and the fact that in both of the last two game weeks, Fernandes has talked himself into a booking as well. So it's uh, which, which which is that's, a you know, minus two points coming from his gob, frankly, um, which is which is frustrating. And minus four if you put the armband on him, which many people will do week in, week out. So I guess that's even kind of doubly, doubly frustrating. Um, a few uh, honourable mentions, Andy. I mean, I'd kind of like to, to talk a little bit about Amy Martinez and not in the sense without, you know, not, not just 
to say that we were right, but he's uh, he only got two points this this week, twenty eight percent ownership, another another blank essentially, lack of clean sheet for Villa, and we spoke about this at the start of the season where there was an argument to put um you know five and a half million pound goalkeeper in for their first three fixtures, hoping that they're going to get Aston Villa are going to get quite a few clean sheets, and he's ended up with one clean sheet and just nine points from his first three. Um, I mean, other than saying that that we felt that that was not necessarily the best route to go. There are several keepers that are a lot cheaper and have got more points than him so far. I guess that, I mean, there's probably not much of a takeaway from this. You know, at the end of the day, Martinez is still a very good goalkeeper, but to what extent you can trust Villa's defence week in, week out to keep loads of clean sheets and the fact that last season might have been a bit of an, an anomaly. Um, and then at the same time, Martinez just, you just can't justify that price for a goalkeeper who's, who's just not going to keep regular clean sheets, really. Well, exactly, and that, and uh, and to add to that, which is something we couldn't have foreseen, but still does add to our argument now, I suppose, retrospectively, is that he, like a lot of other Argentinian players, has um, ignored the fact that the Premier League uh, our pl- clubs, co- you know, collectively decided to not allow their players go to international games, and he's just going to play for Argentina anyway. So it's currently a red flag because he will be quarantining um, and won't be able to play in their next fixture against Chelsea. So yeah, I think there's a lot of people obviously using the international break to think about wild cards particularly with their forward players and their premiums. And I can see him getting a lot of transfers out, given what you've said about his cost and the lack of clean sheets at this point and the fact he's definitely out of the next game week. So, yeah, someone might look at us and say, well, Sanchez, you're, you're both of your darlings in, in, in goal and FPL Twitter's darling, frankly, um, this season. You know, look, look at him. He, he's got, um, you know, only one clean sheet so far this season. Um may arguably you'd you'd be wanting more than the 10 points he he's returned but i guess our point there would be look you've paid a whole million less for him though you've saved a million which you've been able to invest somewhere else in your team for the same amount of points as martinez has had so and that was kind of our argument all along really wasn't it so yeah i think i think has never been an a high enough owned martinez yet at any point to get the blankety blank uh award in any one given game week but certainly yeah uh, it's sustained over a few game weeks it's it's um it's well how do you say this without sounding smug but in some ways like a satisfying feeling from what we were what we were uh tipping up at the start of season yeah yeah absolutely and yeah i mean i don't know if he is aston villa's official kind of understudy but jed steer is the only other villa keeper in the game four million pounds and is going to face lukaku in his next game week i mean yeah, feels like uh, feels like it has the potential to be um, a bit of a bloodbath. Um, two other sort of honourable mentions as well. Side Ben Rama, we've spoken about him. You know, 28% owned and just a, just a two points in a blank this week. But you know, if you'd have uh, had his points return over the course of the season, I think you'd be pretty happy. And uh, Simakas as well, Liverpool again. You know, just under four and a half million now with price rises, but 27% owned, just the one point because I think he came off the bench. Um, I wonder if uh, many Simicast owners will continue to hold him or whether they'll move off him. Uh, I think he's going to feature off the bench um, quite a bit, but it's whether he can end up with, with any returns or if it's just kind of a five-minute cameo every, every now and then to sort of manage Robertson's minutes a little bit better. Uh, let's move on to top differential, Andy. And again, we should whiz through this as well, just because, um, you know, Ferran Torres, we've already spoken about, but he is going to get the award this week for an 18-point return to reward his 5% uh, 5% ownership. Um, his ownership is, just, is going to skyrocket. I wonder how many more weeks he'll be able to be eligible for a top differential award. But it just feels, as we kind of said earlier, it feels justified in us keeping him on our radar because it did feel like a haul was, was incoming, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm really surprised it's as low as 5%. Like, there's not often where we put someone on the radar and then... You, and then I feel like it was, you know, 
a hidden gem almost like you'd like to think it's at least some of the players there are players that other people probably aren't considering but but never to this extent I, I you know someone playing for man city getting as many points as 18 scoring two goals this week playing against a woeful arsenal defense it just seemed like a uh, uh someone with a great upside and and yeah so really really shocked that he is only that five percent owned and i think that's not going to last very long I mean, at the time we put our pre-pod notes together, uh, Gabriel Jesus was owned by more managers, 5.8%, and he obviously got 12, 12 points this game week. Looks pretty good from from his wing position, Andy. I'm sure he's not going to creep onto our radar at any point because he's that much more expensive than every time he gets a goal, um, which doesn't seem to be majorly often anyway, but he gets one fewer point than Ferran Torres anyway. A guy that I am a bit interested in, and I'm sure we're going to have to wait and see a little bit more, but is Conor Gallagher from the highlights uh, from watching Crystal Palace, not he got a few goals for West Brom on loan as well last year. He was getting into the box, making those, I'm going to say, Skulls-esque late, late runs, but I'm not sure if that's necessarily the way to the way to really sort of categorise him. Um, his second goal in particular was, was pretty impressive. I think Palace are going to be fairly fairly stale anyway going forwards, depending on which kind of forwards they managed to sign on deadline day. But his 15 points rewarded uh, the handful of people that, that, that have got him. And then Rafa Varane as well, 2% ownership, 12 points. But I think that was sort of inflated by an assist, which I'm assuming we're not going to be relying on for, for Rafa Varane many weeks. Well, no, and it you know it's one of those where he's just made a pretty simple pass and then Greenwood's cut in and shot and scored. So, yeah, as not even a particularly outrageous assist at that and also he's he's um he's as, as expensive as as the rest of the united defense there and we, we've talked about this with with Shaw and, and the fullbacks are probably a better way to go if, if you're looking there so yeah absolutely uh let's move on to our swimming against the tide and we tweet this out because we felt a little bit smug at seven minutes past three on saturday afternoon but ivan tony obviously was the most uh i think yeah was the most transferred out going into game week three it was something that we decided to swim against um his underlying numbers weren't too terrible he was getting a lot of shots in the box and 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 and, and was looking on the eyes pretty pretty impressive um but obviously he did finally get his return in game week three um i think andy you've noticed that his sort of average position was considerably higher than Wemo, who people got excited about after game week one against arsenal when it seemed to be the flip side uh, and his, his his you know his underlying numbers weren't great but i thought the chance he took was easier than the xg it got again we don't particularly like single shot xg but um from what i saw of it it was deemed a fairly difficult chance i wonder if that's because there were quite a few players between him and the goal, but it wasn't exactly far out. But he did take it very well. Um, I guess it's still going to be a bit of a wait and see about whether he can do it against some of the some of the top defences. Uh, Brentford obviously not had that penalty yet either, and we expect him to be on those. But it did feel a little pre- premature to us, um, and I wonder if he'll, if he'll still be a pretty good asset going forward. It doesn't feel like there are many good assets around his price or lower, and that's still going to work in his favour, isn't it? It is, yeah, and I think w- worth t- continuing to swim against him this week. And and for all the reasons you've said, it, it was very encouraging. He was further forward. That was our concern after game week one. Whether I'd c- continue to swim against it going forward, that that is the bigger question. The next three games for Brentford are Brighton, Wolves, and Liverpool, and that's three of the top six defenses in terms of expected goals conceded so far this season. So could could be could be tricky for Brentford to get chances generally, no matter how good Tony's finishing is or not. 
Absolutely. Um, let's move on to our captain's picks. It was a bit more mixed this week, Andy, but I know we're up against the clock a little bit for your next meeting. So let's try and whiz through these as quickly as we can. Uh, I guess, you know, we, we spoke about side Ben Rama and, and, and Antonio against Crystal Palace. West Ham had been so creative and obviously it wasn't quite the week for, for Ben Rama, but those that did uh, stick the armband on, on on Antonio, which I think was quite a lot of people in the end, uh, they would have been re- rewarded with another double digit haul. Well, exactly, yeah, and I think although we spoke about Ben Rama and and the other central attacking midfielders, or or just attacking midfielders generally a lot in that in that previous bit, we did say a bit less an, about Antonio, and I think what the difference between the two for me at the moment is that Antonio seems to always be involved. There is only one striker, and it's kind of all going through him. Whereas that isn't necessarily the case with Ben Rama, because as you saw with Fornells' goal, it was a link up between Antonio and Fornells that that's 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 caused the goal there. So. You know, Ben Rama is amongst a pool of others, whereas no forward in the game has a higher expected goal involvement than Antonio. So that's a kind of key difference between the two there for me. And yeah, he 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 looks to just be absolutely bang on form and everything going through him for West Ham at the moment. So um, I think I think you and I both ended up captaining this week him this week, which for me, like I'm ve- I'm a very cautious player, so to pick anyone outside of the t- of the big teams and and the, the premium players is is rare for me for captaincy. And I felt a bit um, unsure doing it. There was a little bit of me that wanted to fall back onto my Bruno safety net, but took a, a slightly bold step and very, very glad I did it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I guess we can just go over Bruno quickly, but obviously we did uh, in the blankety blank segment. But yeah, I feel like he, in, especially in my team, felt like the other potentially obvious captaincy choice this week. And yeah, I'm glad I, I stepped away from him and went to Antonio. The format and, and that Antonio is in at the moment just feels like he's almost too good to turn down. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that how that continues after the international break. He is going on international duty with Jamaica. So, well, you know, he's got a lot of, probably quite a lot of traveling to do and things like that. So it will be interesting to uh, interesting to see. Interestingly, in uh, Jamaica's uh, latest squad, they've got four ex-Colchester loanees, or four ex-Colchester players. And uh, one of them, I'm not going to name names because in case he's listening, I'm sure he isn't. But one of them is, uh, he was terrible for us, like absolutely atrocious. So I just can't quite believe it. Um we kind of always mentioned Salah Jota Mane and obviously Lukaku, I guess, is going to be a, a regular feature in our captaincy segments going forward. I think we were fairly uh, cautious about them playing against each other. Obviously, Salah with a return, albeit from the spot. Um, I guess if you did put your armband on one of the most reliable fantasy assets, then you'd be, ha- be happy with the return. But I think it was, uh, if you didn't this week because of the fixture, I think equally you would have been um, you know, fairly rightly cautious in doing so. Yeah, and I think you, it's one of those where here, I guess all we're trying to do is review the decision making, right? And if you've decided to stick your armband on <clears throat> on one of those, even if it was one that didn't return, so let's say Mane, Jota or Lukaku, I think you will have surely known the gamble and the risk beforehand, right? So you knew it was a little bit of a punt. And so if they haven't returned, and like Jota obviously didn't even start, which that was, there was talk of that in the in the kind of press conference and injury news and stuff before, before the game, then then, you know, hopefully you, you, you can't feel too bad with yourself because you knew you were taking a bit of a punt. I suppose if you didn't realise that, the only thing you can do to kind of analyse your decision-making there is to think, well, okay, one, I should probably pay better attention to the fixtures uh, and or two, um, yeah, listen out for that news because it seemed to be fairly kind of well expected that that it was going to be Firmino that started through the middle. So, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting. I, I've read somewhere that you know Jota hasn't really started many times against the, the big six when he's been since he's been at Liverpool. Where it's tended to, they've tended to to go for Firmino. So I wonder if that will be something you know to look out for going forward. A bit of a wrinkle that Jota could be a pretty good option uh, against some of the weaker sides in the league, but perhaps not against the big six. Although I'm not sure why you you, know, you probably wouldn't be captaining Firmino if you owned him in those weeks anyway. So, but yeah, I guess um, you know maybe want to end up you know maybe shifting to your bench if you do own him um two final kind of mentions that uh, that we had as well one was uh, son versus watford and obviously the potential of harry kane as well son ended up uh, getting a return kane started but ended up blanking tottenham you know one goal again i think they looked a bit better against watford than they had in perhaps attacking in, in some previous games but again it is a newly promoted side in watford no disrespect to them at all and then we did mention ferran torres as well Man City's new, new number nine, but seven million uh, midfielder in, in, in FPL terms. And if you stuck the armband on him, you would have well and truly been rewarded against an absolutely dismal Arsenal performance. Uh, it's going to be always target Arsenal, isn't it? I'm going to be looking, you know, maybe we'll stick the armband on Timu Puki next week. Although, obviously, Andy, I know you won't because there's no way on earth that you'll be owning a Norwich player. I think the only thing that we can hope to happen in that game is that, you know, it's like six all and or even then that means that Arsenal and Norwich have both scored loads of goals though so which they'll probably both be happy with so I don't actually think the day you'll be well upset then no exactly I don't think there's any good outcome like is nil nil better the thing is then they've both kept a clean sheet so maybe one one is what we need and uh Pookie not scoring um three red cards apiece a bust up between Fark and Arteta where Fark just obviously absolutely destroys him, right? Because only one way that that ends. Um, and they both get suspended. But then I suppose if they're suspended, they won't be able to manage their teams hopelessly in the league for a few games, will they either? So even that's not a good outcome. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it, I, I, you know, I know there's lots of jokes going around and I'm not particularly original in saying this, but it does feel weirdly like a relegation six pointer for already. Like if, if I'm Norwich, I'm licking my lips going into this game thinking this is a really great opportunity to pick up our first win of the season against a team that is all over the show. But equally, Arsenal are thinking, you know, come on, this is a newly promoted team and we have to get our season started. So it has the potential to be a really good game, but also could be absolutely dreadful because you know neither side are probably up to up to too much but yeah Ferran Torres felt like a, a you know a bit of an outside pick I think neither of us own him at the moment despite the fact that he's been on our, been on our radar for for a while um, but if you do own him on the five percent of managers that did and then um, put your armband on him then absolutely fair play um let's leave it there Andy I know we don't have too long before your next meeting so uh, we'll have to whiz through um, I guess the transfer window shutting and international break and whether FPL managers are starting to, to think about think about their wildcard. I mean, it's not something that I don't I don't think I'm going to be thinking about it. And I'll be not sure if you are either. But that's just because I'm just trying to kind of read your mind and read your expression over over this uh, video call uh, th- uh, that we're on. But obviously, one thing that we've always said is, you know, not thinking about doing wildcards too early, particularly with international breaks. There could be injuries and things like that, but equally also the transfer window shutting and uh, or slamming shut as, 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 it, as it does. Um, but, you know, we're not quite sure exactly how these Premier League teams are going to end up shaping up. And as we've seen in the last few days, there still could be some massive moves that could change teams quite significantly. Yeah, they really could. And I think there's pros and cons to, to both approaches, frankly, either wildcarding now or later or, or neither. So it's going to be hard to do it justice in, in a short amount of time here, really. I think, 
you know, with, with Ronaldo coming into the game, we've just found out he's going to be classified as a forward. We've got, for the first time in ages, really, three premium forwards who you could make a case for, for all of them at any given point in Kane, Lukaku and, and Ronaldo there. So that would have a big influence. What does that mean for penalties for Bruno? And does that influence decisions you'd make in, in your midfield premiums? Will De Bruyne come back fit after this international break or not? We're not 100% sure. The Champions League is going to start once this champion once this international break is over as well, which will mean there'll be teams rotating their first team players to perhaps not play in league games because they'll want them for the Champions League. So, so many things are up in the air. Uh, that, that could cause pros and cons for wildcarding now or not. Maybe we might need to move towards an, an unprecedented international break uh, edition of the FPL lounge, which is not something we've done before. But it seems like there, there's been some big transfers already this transfer window. As we mentioned, the Ronaldo one literally just announced as we're recording in terms of FPL today. Um, and there could be more, frankly, there's time. We always see the odd uh, significant transfer just before the window shuts, don't we? So really lots of factors never mind what we'd usually be saying at this point about stuff like injuries um during the international break and fatigue and stuff as well so loads going on lots to think about yeah i think we'll absolutely have to do a uh, an international break bonus pod uh, but andy let's uh, let's leave it there for now i'll let you uh, go off to your meetings but before you do uh, if anyone wants to ask us what we think of a 12 and a half million pound ronaldo as a forward how can they ask us well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And yeah, uh, not not just asking us about Ronaldo, but let us know what they think about the podcast, how we're getting on this season. Uh, our, our radars have been a bit inflated at the start of this season compared to, to last year. We would have a, not, not as many on there. So we're hoping that, that that will trim down. But maybe you're liking it. I don't know. Let us know what you think. Absolutely. Yeah. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from because it helps us in the old algorithm uh, as we said as we alluded to i think andy and i will try and get our heads together and do some sort of international break bonus podcast but if you don't want to listen to that and want to wait uh, of course for for the next game week game week four that is saturday the 11th of september so i'm sure we'll hope to have the podcast up maybe on the thursday uh, before that uh, so andy uh, if i don't speak to you before then uh, it's been lovely to talk to you but uh, hopefully we'll try and get this get this bonus one done so until then thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.